Hey, we have uh, been, last four weeks, three weeks, we've been talking about the second coming. It's been kind of cool to see the news and Israel and everything kind of line up. And now we're going to wrap this series up by uh, taking a peek behind the door. Because believe it or not, we're not going to be here forever. In fact, our time here is pretty short. But we're going to be behind the door forever in a place called heaven. And uh, we have access to that because when Jesus died on the cross, the uh, temple had this big curtain that separated the holy place, most holy place where God was from people. And that curtain tore in two. And now we can enter boldly into his presence. Now we can go to the very presence of God. But we will literally, physically, spiritually be in a different place forever. And what's that place going to be like? If you were going on a trip, you'd get out all the brochures you know, if you were going to Tahiti, I have some friends who are going to a cruise in Tahiti. Can you believe that? Anyway, but you know, they got out all the little pamphlets to learn where to go in Tahiti and what to eat in Tahiti and what not to eat in Tahiti. And you all do that when you go somewhere you've never been. Anybody been to heaven yet? <laughs> a few of you have had out-of-body experiences when someone I talked to, you know, had that near death. And But I think that's just a glimpse. And don't ever confuse those glimpses with you know, what, 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 go, always go to the Bible for your definition of heaven. Um, there's a movie out. Uh, how many saw that one? Heaven's for Real. I was going to play that opening clip, uh, just, but then I looked at it and said, it's too long. But I looked at how many people looked at that clip. Two, over two million people have played that YouTube clip, Heaven is for Real. So people want to know heaven's for real. And where we learn about heaven is in God's word. And those experiences people have are interesting, but don't build your doctrine on them. Because as soon as you do that, someone's going to come along. I had an out-of-body experience, and it was like this. Uh, So it encourages us, and if it lines up with Scripture, but Scripture is where we look. Because we all have questions about heaven. I heard a guy one time went to his pastor and said, Pastor, i got a question about heaven. What is it? He says, well, you know, I'm an avid golfer. I love to golf, and... Man, I, I, do they have golf courses in heaven? Pastor said, well, I don't know. I'll have to pray about that one. I'll get back with you. So pastor uh, went away and they met the next week and he sees the guy and he goes, well, pastor, what did you find out? Well, I've got some good news and some bad news. So what do you mean? Well, they have golf courses in heaven. They're beautiful. They make Pebble Beach look like you know, garbage. I mean, pristine greens and, and long fairways and just beautiful Golf courses. Well, what's the bad news? You tee off this afternoon. <laughs> but that's really good news. I mean, if you think about it. But So heaven, we have the promise of heaven. We will be in heaven. If you're a Christian and follow Jesus, you will be in heaven. It's not, I hope I go to heaven. If you're following Jesus, that's where you can end up. Because we have the, the verse that we all know, the promise. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. You're all going to live forever. And as followers of Christ, we're going to live forever with him in a place that he's prepared. Because remember, he told the disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also me. In my Father's house are many mansions. When I saw what I told you, I go to prepare a place. If I go to prepare a place, I'll take you. And we want to look at our mansion. Um, King James says mansion, I think. Uh, NIV says rooms. I like mansion. But I think every room is going to be like a mansion. So, you know. But bottom line is, there's a place we're going. 
And we get a few glimpses of it, but we don't get a clear picture. We don't, we don't have a travel guide. We can't Google heaven and come up with, you know, all the amenities of heaven. But we can Google our Bible and, and get a glimpse because the Bible reminds us that we, now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm known. The, the, the Paul says here that we kind of see looking in a dirty mirror. You look in a dirty, dusty mirror. You see something, but it's not really clear. And we see some stuff about heaven, but it's not 100% clear. But one day, we'll know. Because it says, now I know in part, but then I shall know. So when we get there, we're going to know what it's like. But until we get there, we can at least take a, a glimpse behind the door and maybe get excited about what's in store for us. Because to use the title of an old song, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Amen? You ain't seen nothing yet. Believe me. So we ought to keep our mind on heaven. It says, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died in your life, you're sitting with Christ and God. Set your mind on things above. It's all right to think about heaven. It's all right to think about God and his glory and his throne because we're not of this earth. We're pilgrims passing through. And I've heard somebody say, well, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. (laughs) Show me the person. (laughs) Anybody who's heavenly minded is going to be earthly good. I know a lot of people who are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. (laughs) Right? Um, the bottom line is heaven's for real and this is not our home our home is being prepared and why we're here we count ourselves dead and into this world and alive to Christ we're part of this world we go out and live in this world but while we're living in this world we really know we're part of another world that's going to last forever, bottom line. What's it going to be like? That song I can only imagine, you know, when I'm standing in his glory, what will I do? Will I fall to my knees? Will I be able to sit and talk at all? I can only imagine. The Bible says that. It's written, I has not seen, nor has your heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I always like to imagine the best it can be, and it says it's got to be better because it says you can't imagine how good it's going to be. So imagine all you want. It's going to be better. It's going to be awesome. I can only imagine. So we get our, our brief glimpse behind the door from a guy named John. You know, John, the disciple, the apostle, ended up on an island called Patmos, And while he was there, he wrote the book of Revelation. He saw things. He wrote them down. And if you've ever studied the book of Revelation, they're not all real clear, are they? (laughs) But they all have meaning. And right near the end of the book, after all the stuff we've been talking about, the rapture, the second coming, the battle of Armageddon, the millennial reign of Christ, the great white throne judgment. And when all that is said and everything part of this plan that God has for humans is done and it starts over 
And John saw that. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, <coughs> coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for husband. So John sees a new heaven and a new earth, and he sees this holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. What's it look like? What's the new heaven and new earth? Is it really going to be a new heaven and new earth? John doesn't, only one who says it. Peter tells us this. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's going to happen. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. Earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. That's what we ought to be doing, is living holy and godly lives while we're waiting for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen to this. As you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, the day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to what? A new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Righteousness does not dwell on this old heaven and on this old earth. Uh, there's a lot of unrighteousness. There's a lot of evil, but there's going to be new heaven and new earth where everything will be right. And Peter says that, and John says that. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And he said, I saw this city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from God saying, look, God's dwelling is now among the people. He'll dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. So it's going to be a place where we're going to be with God face to face. What is this holy city, the New Jerusalem? That's some artist's idea. Here it is coming down. It says, I saw it coming down to, to earth, this new Jerusalem. And uh, well, that's the city that uh, will dwell in. What, is, what does it look like? We get a little more description. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down to heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice saying, I already read that one, didn't I? I went the wrong direction. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. So now we're going to get a close-up look. Like if you're going to stay in a, in a hotel somewhere, you know, you find the name, then you Google it, then you look at all the amenities. You know, do they have, what, you know, what, do they have free breakfast? We always look for that one. <laughs> you know, all the good things. And, and here's John. He, he, he sees the city coming down. And then an angel takes him and gives him a close-up look at the city. So here's a city we're all going to see someday. He carried me away in spirit to a mountain great and high. This, this is an angel. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. Its appearance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. So he sees the city coming down, the glory of God shining off of it. His brilliance was unbelievable. And here it is coming down. And he gives us a little more detail. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. So listen to this. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia. Everybody knows how big that is, right? In your NIV notes, that'll say 1,400 miles in length. 1,400 miles wide, 
1,400 miles high. It's a perfect cube, 1,400 miles. Then the angel measured the wall using a human measurement. It was 144 cubits. Everybody knows how wide that is, right? That's 200-foot thick walls. So 1,400-mile high, long, wide city, 200-foot walls, and the wall was made of jasper, and the city was of pure gold, but pure as glass. I mean, John's trying to put in human words something that's undescribable. It was like pure gold, but it was pure as glass. It was like jasper. That's a big city. In fact, someone, I found this picture. There's a map of America, and that square is how big the city would be. It runs like from uh, all the way down Texas, all the way up to the Great Lakes, and halfway across America. That's a big city. You get a lot of rooms in a city that size. You get a lot of people in there. And 1,400, that'd be like from what, here to LA? Long. And some of you have driven to LA, that's a long drive. Imagine a city that long. And that high. In fact, here's a picture someone drew. If it sticks 1,400 uh, miles up into the sky, that's, that's going to, you know, I don't know where my room's going to be. You know, I'd like a little view, you know, but I don't have to be at the top, you know. Somewhere in there, there's a room being prepared for you. And when your check-in is, only God knows. But we will be checking in unless the Lord comes and takes us out in the rapture before them. But there we are in New Jerusalem. And he goes in a little more detail. You know, if I'm going to stay somewhere, if I get as much knowledge as I can, he says this about it. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Everybody knows what they look like, right? My study on it says the words John was using, it's hard to know what actual minerals he was talking about. Some of them they knew, but they're all beautiful. In fact, someone put something like this together to kind of help us. Here's some of the stones, jasper, sapphire, emeralds. My favorite is amethyst. I used to collect rocks. I have some purple amethyst, like a beautiful color. And that's the 12th layer of the foundation is amethyst. Um, and, and if these are earthly representations, the heavenly representation is going to be mind-blowing. I mean, when John saw it, he must have just been blown away. He said, all these different uh, foundation stones laid on it. And then the cool thing about it is the gates. Anybody know what the gates are made out of? Yeah, anybody heard the term pearly gates? <laughs> they get it from the Bible. Say, oh. The 12 gates were 12 great pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great city, the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. That's what you hear about the streets of gold says the great street of the city. So in the city, there's going to be a huge boulevard and it's going to be gold, but pure as transparent glass. And the 12 gates were 12 gates, each made with a single pearl. And somebody said they must have some big oysters in heaven, you know, <laughs> to get a pearl that size. You know, pearls and all the valuable things people try to get here. People live and die and fight and claw to get gold. In God's economy, nobody does with gold. Paves the streets. You guys fight for gold. Don't worry about gold. I've got something better. 
but a pearl. I guess you roll the pearl in place when you close the gates. But, you know, John's trying to describe what the angels are showing him. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. Here's a cool thing about the city where the temple is, or where the city there's no temple. I did not see a temple in the city. What? No temple? Why no temple? Here's the awesome thing. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. A city where there's no sun or moon because the glory of God lights it. A city where there's no temple because God himself is there. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. I mean, that, I just get goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> to be with God, to be in a place where his glory is. And there's a few samples in the Bible about the glory of God. Just kind of a taste. Uh, you remember old Moses? Oh, I thought I had Moses there. Oh, I do that later. Never mind. Out of order. But there's the glory of God. Gives a light, and the Lamb is its lamp. If the sun went out right now, it'd be pretty dark. In heaven, we don't need the sun. We don't need the moon. We got the glory of God. And then there's this cool thing. The angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal. So I knew there'd be some fish there, Steve. There's got to be in this river. But flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops, yielding fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. Here's this beautiful river with the tree of life. Anybody remember the tree of life? It's in the Garden of Eden. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God said, you guys need to get out of here because you might eat the tree of life and live forever. Where we're going to live, the tree of life is there, and it's available right there. Someone tried to do a picture of the river of life thrown out of the city of God, but you can't capture it on a picture, but I can only imagine, right? I love rivers. Aaron loves waterfalls. There's probably going to be some waterfalls there for you to check out. <laughs> I mean, that, it's, you know, we've got all eternity to explore this place God has made. Don't get the idea you're going to be sitting around playing a harp on a cloud. Look at all the stuff God lets us do here, and he says enjoy. It's going to be a, a uni, uh, an unending universe for us to explore, and it's going to be joy beyond description. Here's what Jesus said then of Revelations. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I'll give to each person according to what they've done. I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They may have the right to the tree of what? Tree of life. What are our robes washed in? You know, it's symbolic for saying our sins have been forgiven. We have the tree of life and we may go through the gates into the city. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Anybody remember that old song? When the saints go marching in, isn't about a football team. <laughs> it's an old song. When the saints go marching in, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in, what a day that will be when my Jesus I'll see. When look upon his face, all trials will be erased. What a day, glorious day that'll be. Can only imagine. And Jesus says this I, Jesus, some angel to give you this testimony. I'm the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears says, Come. 
Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And we get to drink from the river of the water of life. We get to eat from the tree of life. I mean, I can't even imagine because it's going to be beyond what we can say. A couple things that are going to mark heaven to wrap this up, to get us thinking. One of the things about heaven is going to be joy. Jesus said to this parable to his faithful servants, well done, that good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many. Enter into what? The joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You look in the Bible, there's this scene where there's a multitude that can't be numbered from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, and they're all praising God. This morning we had fun praising God as a, as a group here. You imagine 10,000 times 10,000, and then the angels and the elders all worshiping God. I mean, we haven't seen a worship service like that before, but it's going to be awesome. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You show me the path of life. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. We're going to be in the presence of God. I think that's why we can't have a physical body because our bodies couldn't stand that kind of joy. We're going to have a uh, reconfigured spiritual body that will be like Jesus, but we'll be able to experience the full joy of God. God himself shall be with them and be their God. And he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Listen to this. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for those things that passed away. Anybody get tired of the news? (laughs) Somebody's been killed. Somebody's been murdered. Somebody's head's been chopped off. Just all sorts of things. Or people are experiencing struggling with disease and sickness and death. It's all part of the curse of the fall. The Bible says in heaven there's no more curse. The price of the curse has been paid by Christ and we'll dwell in a place where there's no more sorrow, no more tears, no more funerals, no more hospitals, but joy forevermore. Beloved, now we are children of God is not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him. We're going to see Jesus, and we see him, we will be like him. That means we don't have a sin nature anymore. Anybody struggle with sin nature? That old man that wants, the old woman that wants to take you down the wrong track? It's left behind. It's left behind, and we're like Jesus. Totally, perfectly righteous, no more sin nature. <clears throat> it's going to be glorious for the glory of God gives light and the lamp is its lamb the lamb is its lamp we talked about that the glory of God and here's an example of that glory you remember when Moses went up on the, the mountain and got the ten commandments when he came down it says the skin of Moses' face shone so Moses had to put a veil over his face until he went in to speak with him Moses went into the presence of God on the mountain when he came down he so radiated the glory of God People couldn't look at him. He had to put a veil over his face. That's just an example. When they dedicated Solomon's temple, the priests could not continue ministering because the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The priests were there to dedicate this new temple and the glory of God came down. It's called a Shekinah glory. It came down and the priests couldn't do anything. All they could do was just fall on their face for the glory of God filled the house. In heaven, the glory of God is going to fill the house. 
forever. And finally, there's going to be a celebration. This is the end of all that stuff. The church has been gathered to Christ. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty thundering. So the the voice of everybody sounds like water and, and thunder. And everybody's saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready, the church. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the free linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Blessed are those who called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Not only do we get to go to heaven, but there's going to be a marriage supper. The church, the bride of Christ, will gather together in celebration. And some of you have been to a you know, celebration but this celebration is going to be literally out of this world. Someone drew a picture of this long table with golden place settings. Blessed are those who called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The best is yet to come. I think the best summation of what we got to look forward to is from a great writer named C.S. Lewis. Some of you read the Chronicles of Narnia series. Anybody read Chronicles of Narnia series? The last book's called, what? The Great Battle, I think. The Last Battle. The last page of the last book of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle, he says this. But talking about the characters who, who were trying to, get, who were preparing to go into heaven. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover in the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. Isn't that cool? This world is just the cover of the book in the title page. But now at last we're going to step in to chapter one of eternity of the great story, which no one on earth has ever read, which goes on forever, and I love this part, in which every chapter is better than the one before. I can only imagine. Amen. Have the worship team come back up, and uh, we're going to close in with a song. But Lord, we thank you that in the midst of this crazy world, there's a hope. And why we're here, you want us to live for you, you want us to love for you, You want us to proclaim you. But we know it's great assurance and confidence that the best is yet to come. Until then, Lord, if there's some here in the valley, strengthen them. Those on the mountaintop, encourage them to keep on. And Lord, for all of us, thank you for loving us enough. For you so love the world. That's us. And those people out there who are going to come to know you. That you died and rose again. Because of that, we have the promise of eternal life in a place we can only imagine. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.